Hello, everyone. I'm Mark L. Vincent, and I am the director of the Convene Consulting Network. And uh, it's a lot of fun to host these conversations with people who are very knowledgeable, and they are wise, and they love God, and they love serving others, and they bring good uh, work to what it is that they do. And so today, we're going to talk with Michael Migalski. And uh, bringing Michael into this conversation, I've, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time so that others of us who aren't very techie-minded can drink from his cup for a while. So, Michael, welcome to this. And we're going to introduce you further in just a second, but I do want to just welcome you here. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor. Oh, yeah. I'm, we had the privilege of working together on a project, and that's where we met, and it had everything to do with data. And you were brought in as an outside vendor, helping all kinds of data systems to uh, talk with each other. And it came out of some of your work at Micron, where you uh, worked for many years and uh, worked. Uh, we could talk about the different roles you had, but you kind of worked your way up uh, into data management, all kinds of projects. And I was there to really work with the process side of things, to help people talk to each other and come back to work and not be frustrated and, and manage all of their little parts. And it was a great, big, hot mess in some ways. And yet there was some good work that was done. And I learned to really appreciate you and what you bring. And I think you're the best person I could talk to to help this go from the highly technical into something that persons who may not have a lot uh, of background could actually get handled. So that's what we're you know, expecting out of this. Thank God he didn't make us uh, all the same, right? Because I couldn't <laughs> do what you do, walk into you know an organizational mess and, and try to make sense out of it and help uh, with uh, that change management part of the world. So um, I like working with data. We, we that's what we do. We're we're blessed to have those skills, and and thank God, you know, we all can uh, specialize, and uh, and there's different types and different strokes for different folks, right? Yeah, yeah, there that is. I remember at one point you told me, "Okay, Mark, I can think in metaphors if I have to," and, <laughs> and I tend to think and talk that way. That was. I, yep. I just really, uh, you, you kind of won me as a friend that day that you could notice that and make that comment. So well, then you're, we're on the same page because I'll use a metaphor or two today. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I'm glad that you're growing in that direction then. So <laughs> I, I want to start with some really basic definitions because there's some vocabulary that really anyone who's running a company needs to have if they're, because they're, um, they're tracking data. So let's just start with the simple ones here. Data management. What is that? Okay, good question. I mean, it's pretty broad, but I think you first have to start with the foundation of, you know, what is data and, and why, why do we care? Mm -hmm. And so data is the, the result of a business process. It's the artifact that's left behind. And um, as we all know, it's becoming more and more valuable to the point where people call it the new form of currency mm -hmm. in the world, right? So if you think of the Googles with Gmail and and their online search and Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and TikTok and all these, they give these free services, right? But we all know nothing's free. So what are they getting out of this? Why are they multi-billion dollar companies when they're giving all away their services for free? Well, it's because they're collecting data about us. And that data is very valuable to people who want to uh, you know, market to us or, uh, or, or, you know, help us make decisions. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's why data is so important. And if you have an important asset, a thing that's very valuable, 
well, then you need to manage that, right? So you want to make your data useful. And the process of managing your data is, or, or data is called data management, and it's the process and discipline of collecting, organizing, sorting, storing, and making your data useful for your organization mm -hmm. so that you can make better informed decisions. So let me just build on that because I know people also use the phrase data stewardship uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to data management. So what does right. data stewardship mean? Yeah, there's there's a slight difference between those. So, so managing your data is maybe a little more technical. It's a process and discipline. Stewardship would be now, how do you make it safe and efficient to use? So if you could imagine a warehouse, let's just take an Amazon warehouse, for example, we all deal with Amazon. So if you if they have their warehouse and it's packed full of goods, but they're not managed, they're not sorted, they're not uh, you know easily accessible. In their case, they're completely automated, right? Mm -hmm. So they've gone to great lengths to steward their assets into a warehouse that's easy to access and therefore they can provide a, a superior customer service experience, okay? So likewise, if we're being stewards of our data, not only will we collect and organize it, i.e. data management, but we will also make it efficient and safe to use. Uh, one of the ways of making it safe is by, by making it secure, right? The right people can get access. Another way of being safe is to provide a consistent interpretation of that data to our business users, right? Wow. So that if, if uh, the user across the hall or two users across the hall from each other are comparing reports that they get similar results because they're using the same interpretation of that data. And we want it to be efficient. We want users to have realistic expectations that when they need data, they can get to that data. If they need it, they have a need to know, validated need to know, then they can get to that. So it's so stewardship is really about making it safe and efficient. Okay. And you, you mentioned warehouse and there's this other phrase, data warehousing. I don't think we're talking about the big Amazon warehouse, all the trucks coming in and out and so forth. What is data warehousing? Well, it's very, very similar. Um, uh, obviously, you don't bring truckloads of data in, but we do have what's called pipelines. And we're bringing hmm. data in from all sorts of different sources, just like a, an Amazon warehouse would bring data in from different vendors. We have different sources. Maybe within your organization, you're going to have your... Uh, your ERP systems and your uh, operational systems and your sales systems, right? And external, you might have some government data or some weather data or some, you know, uh, public data that is uh, accessible and also uh, useful within your business to build correlations and make better decisions within your organization. So we're a data warehouse, the, the, the art of building a data warehouse, I'll call it the art and science of okay. building a data warehouse is data warehousing. Okay, and a data warehouse is only valuable if it's useful. Mm. So data warehousing is making, it, it really incorporates all the practices of data management and stewardship, but it's about bringing in the truckloads of data, organizing them, sorting them, and then making them useful for others that need to consume that data and make, uh, make fact-driven decisions. We used to say management decisions, but I, I like to say fact-driven decisions all up and down the organization mm. because your janitor needs to make decisions based on you know, what's in his closet, as well as the CEO needs to make, make decisions about what's, uh, whether to acquire a new company. And so mm. it's really everyone in an organization can benefit from a data warehouse if it's put together properly and 
managed and steward uh, stewardship is, is applied. We're, we're going to talk about the CEO's perspective on data management and so forth in a little while. I, I have to just comment here that I, I noticed you referred to this as both art and science. And it just, right. I want to make a mental note that at some point I want to ask you, what's the art here uh, when there's so much, you know, math and science and zeros and ones and all the, the technical uh, side of things. But that, we're going to have to do that one another time, I think. Okay. I would love to go there. But let me ask you uh, also about data security. We talked data management, data stewardship, data warehousing, data security. What is that? Okay. Well, uh, so I think it's appropriate to talk about the art and science. Because, All right, go ahead. Uh, every, everyone, <laughs> everyone, no, no one doubts the fact that there's a lot of science involved in data, but making that data useful, uh, not everyone who needs to use the data is scientific minded, right? You have a lot yeah. of people. Mea culpa, who, right. They, they, they're exactly, well, they talk in terms that are familiar with them in their business. So the art to data management is molding data into objects that can be consumed by people who don't have a technical background. Mm -hmm. We call it data modeling, okay? Mm -hmm. And when you model your data, you start to abstract out the, sorry for using a technical term, but you start to take the parts of the data that relate to the business and you relate them on those business terms. You find the, the natural relationships that occur in the business and you model your data with those natural relationships in them so that the person that's consuming that data understands what it is that they that they are consuming. So it could be as simple as just using the right terms, right? Okay. It could be so, as simple as just the customer label on your report header. Okay. Right? So then let's let's make that very plain to a non-scientific person. So let me see if I can feed that back before we talk about data security. So uh, if I'm working with a chief financial officer who's struggling in their role, what often becomes a conversation is you've got to turn this into a report that is more than just a table with numbers in it. There is a very specific mission and strategy, and you've got to abstract or model this according to that so that the person who is not financial but is really big on sales or is really big on the marketplace itself can understand that what they're after is actually working and it is paid for and it's it's helping to hit the financial side. But if you're just saying, look at my reports uh, that I need to satisfy accounting principles or to satisfy the, the IRS, uh, you're not going to be communicating. It sounds like that's a bit of what you're saying. Am I, am I barking up the right tree here? That's exactly it. We would, we would never expect our entire employee base to take technical training on how to build a data warehouse. So why would we expect them to take technical training on how to use it? If we're doing our job effectively, we have created a usable interface for the data that is innately understood by uh -huh. our users. Okay. Whether that's being, you know, reports and dashboards or whether that's advanced analytics and predictive modeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can get into what some of those terms mean, but we've all heard the term artificial intelligence. Right. So if that's the pinnacle of what, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, then uh, there's a lot of steps in that uh, uh, spectrum of data usage, all the way from just basic reporting 
putting data you know, in rows and columns in front of a user all the way to predicting the future based mm -hmm. on data. There's a, a, a continuum there. And what we try to do is use data management and data engineering best practices to produce a result that is artistic. So we're taking science, but we're making art out of it because someone can look at it and tell a story. Yeah, I see. That's fascinating. Anytime we talk about security, everyone automatically thinks I'm being locked out of my data, right? Of course. It's going to be a bureaucratic red tape, uh, labor of love to get access to what I really need. And what we try to do is flip that on its head. And we try to say, let's give everyone access to what they need by defining a set of, and here's another term, policies, a set of policies that are the technical implementation of a, uh, of a rule, a rule that just simply defines who, what roles should access what, which data, uh, which data objects, okay? And so our definition of data security is the, the practice of producing data only to the users who have a demonstrated and defined need to know. And we call that provisioning rather than security because security seems like you're taking things away from people. Provisioning means I'm giving it to you in an appropriate manner. Just like I would provision your spaghetti at dinner, right? I wouldn't dump the whole bucket of noodles <laughs> on and then restrict you from the sauce, right? right? I would give you the appropriate amount of noodles and sauce together to make a meal. So we provision data as a way of giving people access, granting access to the data they need. And we have a, a, a very, uh, I'll, I'll say just a, a cool way of doing that, that gives the whole organization access based on rules that we call policies mm -hmm. that are able to be managed by the stewards. In the data stewardship that we talked about a bit ago, mm -hmm. there's people that wear that hat. They're stewards within the organization and they manage those policies and then we provision data to the users based on those policies so that everyone has access to the data they need. And if they need additional access, then there's a simple process to go through to grant that with, uh, with consistency throughout mm -hmm. the So I, I just find another aspect of this that's so fascinating is just the use of the word stewardship everywhere. It's such a theological term as well. And often, you know, it's referring to, hey, uh, we got to we have to take really good care of this on behalf of other people. So to have right. stewardship in this lexicon uh, is, is, a, is a really a cool thing. And I'm wondering then, in addition to things like data management, and data stewardship and data warehousing, and data security, are there any other words? that business leaders really ought to have in their lexicon and they're just, they tend to not be there at this time. Well, there are, and we talked about, uh, we talked about making data useful. The practice of data management and stewardship ultimately makes data efficiently usable, okay? And we've all heard all these terms about how we use the data. And uh, so I'll throw out some terms. We're, Reporting, analytics, advanced analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence. Those terms are basically that continuum of basic through advanced uses of data, okay? And we don't have to go into these in great detail, but if you can think of a set of data just being produced in a Excel spreadsheet or you know, just in rows and columns, right? 
basic reporting just gives you the data, puts it in front of you. It might do some things with summarization, right? Basic mathematization, basic math, um, basic, basic math equations like summing and averaging, right? Mm -hmm. So now you can compare two different regions for example, all the sales in region in the West region versus the East region, for example, okay? So we use the term reporting and analytics for those two. And then we want to, if we wanted to move into uh, some more advanced, so what, what is advanced analytics? Well, advanced analytics is taking basic math and applying, or basic, basic data and applying more advanced math to that, like statistics and algorithms. And there are some complex algorithms that statisticians use to take a data, a set of data and produce a model that will predict what the next point in that data set mm -hmm. might look like. Mm -hmm. Perfect example of this is the weather forecast, right? They have oodles of data from years and years of collecting data about when certain conditions exist, what is the chance that there's going to be a different condition or some X, condition X, sunshine, clouds, rain, snow, at a, at a specific ge geographical location at some point in the future, okay? So they're taking all those data points from the past and predicting what the future looks like. That is the quintessential example of advanced analytics, okay? They're predicting, they're using predictive analytics to put data points of the past through a model and then take the current conditions, apply that to the model to predict what the future is going to look like, okay? And we can now do that with all sorts of inputs and outputs. Amazon, to refer to a different uh, previous analogy, Amazon takes the data from all previous people who have bought thing X, Y, and Z in their shopping cart, and they apply that to me. And when I put thing X, Y, and Z in my shopping cart, they can suggest that I might need thing W as well, because yeah. so did three users in the past, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're predicting based on what they know from the past and what I'm currently selecting, what I might also want. Yeah. And there's all sorts of predictive models that do that. Yeah, you end up with a, the virtual avalanche. You say, I want to look at a new backpack and now backpacks are coming out of digital space everywhere <laughs> for you to look at and, and decide if you want one of them. Yeah. Well, we can talk about the ethics of how much of my data <laughs> they should be harvesting for that, but really this is, this is about the capabilities, right? Not whether we should be doing this or not, but right. what can be done. Right. And um, so artificial intelligence now takes that to the next step, and that starts to build uh, machine learning models, which means the machine, the computer, is programmed to learn as it goes. It gets better over time. And when that is automated, or what we call autonomous, then you have artificial intelligence, which is, as of today, the pinnacle of you know, advanced analytics. And what mm -hmm. we can do with data is to teach a computer to do things that in the past only humans could do. Mm -hmm. You've really been demonstrating here um, the uh, kind of the glossary, uh, and I asked you to do that. I, it just uh, let me back up to say that terminology and the definitions of those terminology, when they're not nailed down, uh, people who have to make very strategic decisions find out later that they thought they knew what they meant, but it isn't exactly what they meant. And there's all these implications that they now have to solve for. So this is really an excellent baseline and it's where I wanted to start with you. And now I want to shift and just get to some really kind of practical things that folks in the C-suite have to think about a little bit.
And you have a particular vantage point here because you've been both an in-house project manager when it comes to data security and data management. You've also been an external vendor uh, to where you're helping people with that. So if I am a CEO and I've got to make some decisions, what works best and why? Why would I want to do it in-house? Why would I want to vendor? How do I work my way through that decision uh, for the best possible outcome? Well, first of all, let me apologize for inundating you with a whole bunch of technical terms. I think it was exactly what I asked you for. It is, but (laughs) at the same time, someone listening might say, wow, okay, I don't need all that in my organization. I don't need to teach my car how to drive. I just need basic uh, reporting Mm -hmm. and analytics as we've defined those, right? And that's fine. This is a continuum. And you can start small and work to the larger or you know, you can start on the left and work to the right of that continuum. And most organizations do that and they mature over time. And so what I would say is uh, to, to your question about, um, is it best to, to purchase or to do it in-house versus hire an external vendor is do you have skills in-house, right? Mm. And um, so obviously most organizations when they undertake their first data management exercise, they wanna build a data warehouse or, or automate their uh, decision-making process or whatever that might look like, they've not been down that path before. So I would say it's almost always, it's, I'll even say it's always a good idea to ask somebody who's been down that path before. We did it at, I worked for a Fortune um, 500 company that uh, led the world in their manufacturing processes, okay? And we still asked for help when we built our data warehouse. We called in the experts. We brought them on site because they'd been there and done that before. And they were able to help us avoid the mistakes, mm-hmm. costly, time-consuming, and and dollar-consuming you know, um, mistakes that saved us time and money and ultimately helped us to build a solution that was better, faster, okay? okay? So, so get So employ someone who's been there and done that. All right. And um, now on the question of whether to do that with people that walk into your into your uh, uh, you know brick and mortar shop and, and help you with hands-on work, or whether to do that virtually through um, through Zoom, like we're using today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can almost always do this work virtually, and we've gotten better at it through the crisis of this past year. Yeah. So. Um, we don't have a preference in that regard. And it really comes down to the culture of the business within where we're working. Now, obviously, once I've met you in person, Mark, we do business better together. There's Mm -hmm. that human element, right? Yeah, yeah. I I won't take that personally now that we've met. Now we do everything by Zoom because, you know, the being in the same room, that's too hard. (laughs) No, but once you've met somebody personally, you can connect with them. And now when you have a phone call with them, you have a connection, Right. right? So yeah. it's always better to do that, but we've had entire implementations where we never met the team on the other end of the line, face to face. So let me let me do almost like what might happen at an optometrist, where they're flipping the lens just a little bit. And you're trying to get things. We've talked now about you know, do you hire for it? Do you work with an outside vendor? But now, do you purchase the solution or do you build the solution? Uh, you know, there, I have worked with so many companies, they bought a solution and they had to conform their business to fit. And then other businesses, no, we're not going to do that. They try to build it and they get into all kinds of rabbit holes. So this balance of build it or buy it, 
What, what are you seeing there and what should be evaluated in making that very important choice? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to say that depends. And oh, very uh, it depends on a lot of factors, yeah, very yeah. much. <laughs> you know, I, I discourage decision makers to look at the revenue and cost saving opportunities within their, their organization and decide how urgent those are hmm. and how, how much time they can invest. So time it's, a money, time, right? it's a time issue every bit as much as a monetary one. The, the triple constraint applies here, right? Okay. It's time, money, and resources, time, money, and people, right? And mm -hmm. if you are able to uh, buy a solution that's out of the box, that meets your needs, then more power to you. Um, just make sure it's extendable because what, what we, we see time and time again, I would say almost every implementation, is that once people start using it, if you build it and they come, they will find new use cases that they mm -hmm. want to apply and you will need to extend that. And if you've boxed yourself into a corner with an out-of-the-box solution, it might not be extendable mm -hmm. to do what you want. The good news is that today we have an enabler that wasn't available even five years ago, and that is the cloud. Mm -hmm. So you can build a solution on the cloud without having to invest great amounts of time and resources into standing up a data center and purchasing a bunch of uh, technology. You can stand it up on the cloud and when you scale, when, not if, but when you need to scale that solution, because if you're successful, you will scale, you will grow, mm -hmm. then the cloud grows with you. So we can also recommend some other technology tools. We recommend things like automation technologies for speed and quality. They help you be more efficient at building your solution, okay? And so again, it really comes down to having the right people in the room, the right people from your business. If you're hiring us, your business has the right people in the room to make the decisions on where you wanna go. What is the vision for this data platform? And then what we can do is help you write the technical strategy to match that vision. So based on what you're saying, I think it's a nice segue to the next question. Let's say I am a CEO. I don't have a technological background, but this business is going great. We're scaling up. We've got to figure some stuff out around how we collect and manage and steward data. But I don't, I don't know how to do it. What are the metrics that I need to be paying attention to as the technological people are telling me how it's going? How, how can I actually know we're succeeding? Well, the first one isn't even a metric, but it, it is an indicator, right? And that is are the right people in the room to make those decisions? Have you brought the right people together that are going to be driving your business and ask them what it is they need? Because it's through that vision that we can then build a strategy to deliver your data warehouse. Now from those people, they should be able to also come up with their key metrics that drive their business decisions, right? Um, key performance indicators, if you will, right? So if we're talking about metrics that help you get the most value out of your data. We'll look at the business metrics and then we'll look at the technical metrics, all right? And your business metrics are gonna depend greatly on obviously your business. So look for those leading indicators or indicators of a building problem. Like um, rather than just looking at customer satisf satisfaction in general, you might wanna look at any case, any specific case where customer satisfaction for your product or your sale or whatever service it is you're providing falls below a arbitrary number three or two, right? If you have one that falls in the category of one, you know, one or two out of five, 
then you might, you might want to look at that because that may be a leading indicator of a problem. In the airline industry, they look at flights that arrive late and then they break those down to figure out what their, you know, what went wrong when that arrived late. So their key performance indicator is a flight that arrived late. They don't wait for the customer satisfaction numbers to roll in. They know people aren't going to be satisfied when that plane lands yeah, 15 minutes point. late, right? Yeah. So they look at just the fact the CEO might even get a text if a plane lands late that's in his fleet, okay? Mm -hmm. And they look into that and break it down. So those are examples of business drivers. They refer to indicators of success or failure within your organization, okay? Remember to look at not just uh, uh, opportunities to improve, not just the negative indicators, but also the problem, the positive ones. What are you doing right in your organization? Mm -hmm. Where did we get a five in mm -hmm. customer satisfaction? Mm -hmm. And what did we do special in that case that's that important. we didn't do yeah. in the other, okay? So that, that would be a business driver. Now, a key to success as far as a technical metric, um, we like to use utilization on your warehouse. So we've got a data, if we built a data warehouse or an analytics platform, it's successful if they come, right? We build it, they came, right? So we like to measure if it's getting used, like fill the dreams, right? How many new users this week or this month? How many, you know, comparing last week, last month to this month, how many new net new users? Mm -hmm. um, how many queries have been executed? We haven't really defined what a query is. It's a request for data from any source, right? How many reports have been run? How many applications have queried the database, asked it for information, all right? So if the queries per week are ramping up, then you're getting more utilization. And that's an indicator that you're meeting the needs of your business because they're adopting it heavily. Mm -hmm. If it's flat, you've probably lost touch with your business. Or if it's going down, obviously you're missing the mark somewhere. Mm -hmm. So those are good indicators of success within your data platform. And then obviously return on investment. What new decisions are you making? Are you tracking those decisions? Are you tracking the effect of those? And then using that to tie back to the investment that you made in your data warehouse or in your data platform, right? Because unless you're the CEO and can just write checks uh, with no accountability, somebody is going to want you to justify in next year's budget whether we need to put more money into this solution that we built or it can, or whether it could be cut. So you need to think about that justification ahead of time and start capturing those metrics of what did we learn, what decisions did we make, and then what was the return on investment yeah. of those decisions? What did we save or what additional opportunities did we capitalize on because of the insights that our data platform provided? This has been a great conversation, and I'm going to bring it to an end with a little bit more of a personal question uh, in a moment. But I, I want to tell you what I think you've just done here by responding to these questions. I've got several books sitting on my mm -hmm. shelf. They're great big bricks. They're doorstop size books that talk about data management and data uh, warehousing and stewardship and all this stuff. And I picked them up when I was on this project with you, because I didn't have the technological background, I had the process background, and I wanted to make sure I could understand the vocabulary. I wish I'd had you this kind of- You wanted to make sure I wasn't lying to you. Right. I wish yeah. I'd had this conversation <laughs> with someone right out of the gate, because I think you have condensed the essence of it into this conversation. I'm really grateful for that. And I think it'll be a, a great tool for others who are trying to get their minds around this. And I look forward to their capacity to interact with it. But as we end, I, I know that there's a motivation that really drives you for this work. 
and there's a kind of a client that you really like to serve. Um, and so it's a chance for you to talk about your own sense of mission and vision and value. So can I just have you talk about that uh, as we wrap up this interview? Well, we talked a little earlier about what makes each of us unique and thank God we are, right? We each have our own skill set, and uh, I've always been a math science type of person, but really ultimately I think what drives me into the data space, maybe, maybe math science gives me, me the ability and the people in our organization that have a propensity towards this, you, you have to be able to picture numbers and sets and you know you have to have a set theory background and all that. But ultimately, for me personally, it's the innovation and adventure that's rampant in this industry. And when I say adventure, I mean, on my weekends, I go out in the mountains and rivers, right? And I'm looking for what's under that rock or what's over that peak or what's behind that clump of trees. And with data, you always have something new and exciting to discover within these sets of data. And as so that's what prompts me on or makes, you know, gets me excited is when you find insights hidden within these, this, uh, this data, when you turn it into information that gives you some insight, what lies just around the next corner peak or shadow that gives me that edge over my competitor or uncovers a new opportunity or determines that there's a correlation between thing A and thing B, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or thing A and event B, right? And I just think that in our day and age, there are so many opportunities uh, within industries that are just ripe for some of these discoveries. I mean, we work together in the healthcare industry. Um, if there is ever an industry that is ripe for opportunity with the betterment of, for society, really, to improve the lives of those we love. And we talked about this, right? We, it, you could save, we could save our life or somebody close to us with better data insights. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's, uh, that's immensely motivating and exciting. Education is another one. We, we want our kids to be trained. We need the next generation to be effective, right? But we also need them to be protected. Mm -hmm. And um, so those two industries specifically, but also manufacturing, finance, retail, the services industry, they're all ripe for, um, for the insights that can be brought out through data. So we innovate because we love the adventure of finding new insights. Mm. Another one of our core tenets is that we, we believe that better analytics aren't just for the Fortune 500 companies, right? They can be for small businesses too. And uh, we've had clients that, that are uh, family farms that can benefit from better industry mm -hmm. data. And so even though it can be very expensive, what we try to do is bring the best practices from the larger corporations, the enterprises, down to the small business level and help make it affordable for all size business. Mm. In other words, we deliver your information to help your organization drive effective and efficient data business decisions regardless of your size. Mm. That's great. And I like uh, how in your life, in your family life, the way you treat customers and so forth, you've really brought a perspective that you're you're uh, displaying your gifts, uh, you're displaying the image of your creator and how you uh, co-create with God by bringing your best to this. And in this particular space, it becomes so important that we are wise, uh, that we use what we learn, what we discover, 
uh, in a way that blesses others who come after us and that we're not selfish with it. And we literally co-create with our creator. Uh, Michael, I want to say thank you for joining me uh, in this conversation. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to this. Uh, We always uh, develop a discussion guide that accompanies this. And this is a great one to take to a team and say, do we mean the same things, for instance, when we say uh, data stewardship? And what are we going to do from here as we grow our management of data? So I just want to say thank you again and wish you well, uh, Michael, as we uh, go from here. And again, thank you to all of you who listened. Farewell. Thank you, Mark. We aspire to the the, the accolades you uh, you mentioned there. And I just uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today and the uh, honor of being part of the Convene Network. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.